Thanks for checking out this message from Spring Mount. For more information about us and what we do, visit our website, springmountcf.co.uk or join us every Sunday from 11am at Abbey Road in Barrow in Furness. Connect with us on social media. Follow us on Twitter at springmountcf and like us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash springmountcf. Okay, good morning. Um... I've got a touch of man flu, okay, so I won't breathe on the front row, all right, unless you really want it, but um, yeah, Ros is, Ros is still in bed, so uh, between us, we're not doing very well this week, but uh, God is big enough to overcome my man flu, all right, um, we'll start a new series that's going to run for the next couple of weeks, which uh, is titled Your God Is, and uh, this week we look at Your God Is Too Small, and sometimes we limit God. And that's the idea of this series, that actually, who is your God? Is your God the God that created the universe? Is your God the God that flung the stars into space? Is your God the God that is over everything and above everything? Or is our God just a bit like the children this morning? One of them was wearing, I think it was uh, Eve Graham, was wearing a, a Catwoman mask. Do we look at God a bit like a superhero? You know, God is slightly more powerful than us. You know, that we send out the bat signal and he appears at our whim. When actually God is bigger than that. And if we limit God to even this building, then we're saying that God can only work in this building or in the people here. But actually God is bigger than those things, isn't he? Yeah? We've just sung our God. How great is our God? And God is big enough to overcome the things that stand against us. Yeah? And that's where we are this morning. So I'm going to base this in the book of Acts. And we're going to look at a few incidents that happen in the book of Acts. The early church. Because if God was at work in the early church, he's at work now, isn't he? Yeah? God wasn't just at work 2,000 years ago and before. God is at work today. God is at work in us, through us, and for us. And we've got to start recognizing that. And we've got to recognize how big our God is. So we're going to read from Acts chapter 12. Uh, I'm going to read all 19 verses at the beginning of this chapter. Uh, it may be a familiar story to some of you, uh, maybe not as familiar to others. But uh, Acts chapter 12, verses 1 to 19 say this. They should come up on the screen. Look at that. Brilliant. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw that this met with approval... Among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. That's 16 soldiers, I think, if my maths is right. Okay, thank you. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals, and Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. 
Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter's at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this, he said. And then he left for another place. In the morning, there was no small commotion among the soldiers as to what had become of Peter. After Herod had a thorough search made for him and didn't find him, he cross-examined the guards and ordered that they be executed. Okay, interesting ending for the guards there, isn't it? God is big enough to overcome the obstacles that stand against us. Do we believe it? Do we believe it? Because if we do, then we're going to earnestly pray. We're going to earnestly seek and we're going to see God move. You know, the Great Escape. Anyone watch The Great Escape over Christmas? Is that a regular thing in the Salter household? Okay, I've never seen The Great Escape. but the great, I've seen Escape to Victory, the one where the footballers get out of jail. But The Great Escape, you know, the prisoners dig using something. Is it a spoon? No, I'm just making this up now. They make their own tools and they dig out of, of where they're being captured. I've not, I've not seen the film. I wasn't going to talk about this, so I won't. But the great escape here is Peter is surrounded. He's surrounded by walls, he's surrounded by chains, and he's surrounded by soldiers. I would say he's pretty much surrounded. Would you agree? Yeah, pretty much surrounded, pretty much captured, pretty much caught. And I don't know how many of us read this story and we go, that's just too amazing to be true. Some people might. If if you're not sure, then in more recent times, there's a very famous book called Heavenly Man. Who's read Heavenly Man? Okay, Heavenly Man is about a guy uh, called Brother Yun, um, and he becomes a Christian, and he becomes a pastor of a church, and he gets locked up. And there's a very similar story, I think this happened in the 1980s, 1990s, and a very similar story where he is beaten by the guards in prison just for his faith. And he is locked up. And one night, he's awoken by a similar situation. And he walks straight out of the prison. He walks straight out of the prison to his church that are praying for him. So this isn't just something that's written in the Bible 2,000 years ago. It's something that's happened more recently. God is big enough to overcome the obstacles. And yet so often we read a story like this and we go, we're not going to see that today though, are we? We're not going to see that today. Some of us start to doubt, don't we? Some of us have doubts and we, we struggle to see God as big enough to do that. But he is. God is big enough to overcome those obstacles. He's big enough to overcome all of those things. 
you know, Peter himself didn't even really think it was happening. When you read the story, you read that passage, it says Peter thought it was a vision. He thought it was just a vision. He didn't realize it was really happening. Perhaps he thought it was a dream. So the man himself wasn't sure. Yet he walked out of his chains. He walked away from those that were keeping him captive. And he walked straight out of the front door. Why? Because God is able. God is able. This passage, this one little example of a story in the Bible tells me that God is able. And I can believe and trust that God is able. Let's dig a bit deeper. God is beyond our understanding and he is big enough. Yet we continue to confine him. We are responsible for that. The God that we believe in, the God that we trust in, is only as big as our faith to us. He's bigger than that because he's God. Yet so often we limit God. We limit him to just this sort of Superman character, this Batman character, the one who will come when we call, the one who is slightly more powerful than we are, slightly cleverer than we are. That's not difficult for some of us, including me. We make him just a bit too human. Yeah, would you agree? We make God a slightly big human. We make God a slightly more powerful man. We make God a slightly bit bigger than us a bit wiser than us. We make him just superhuman when in fact he's supernatural. He's not just superhuman, he's supernatural. He is bigger than the kids songs that we sing in in Sunday school, things like, my God is so big, so strong and so mighty, there's clap, clap. Thank you. (laughs) There's nothing that he cannot do. We sing that as children. And yet when we become adults, we start to doubt it. We start to doubt it. We start to go, oh, well, you know, I'll do this myself. And when I get stuck a little bit, I'll call for help. You know, we treat him a bit like our earthly father, maybe. When I get a bit stuck on this, I'll call him for some help. When God is bigger than that, maybe our God this morning is too small. You know, there's a throwaway line in Genesis chapter one. Anyone started the Bible in one year this year with the Alpha Bible in one year app? Yeah, a few people, good. If you haven't, get on it, it's brilliant. It's the best Bible reading tool I've ever come across. And it's the one thing that will help you understand what God is saying. And there's a throwaway line in Genesis that it mentioned this week, and it's this. At the end of creation, it says, he also made the stars. (laughs) How, how, How mad is that? How many stars are there? You know, you look at, who's amazed when you look to the sky at night and you see all those stars? That's incredible. We live in an area where there's not a lot of natural light. So we see even more stars than if you're in the center of Barrow. It's amazing. And yet in Genesis, it just says, he also made the stars. Doesn't, doesn't go into great detail. Just says a throwaway line. Why? Because God is big enough. God is bigger than we could ever imagine. You know, he also made the stars. It says in God's word, he knows how many hairs there are on your head. You know, for me, that's easy. We've said this before, you know. But he knows how many hairs there are on your head. That's not just one head. That's all the people in here. He knows how many grains of sand there are on the beach. He's bigger. He's bigger. And yet, so often, we limit what he can do. Psalm 8, verses 3 to 4 say this. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place... What is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. You know, 
when I consider the work of your fingers, fingers, and then it talks about the moons and the stars and the universe. Joel, Joel has these little models that he paints. Um, I find it a little bit sad personally, but uh, he has these little models and he has to get down to very tiny little paintbrushes and use his fingertip precise things to paint them. And here we see God's fingertips creating the stars. You know, the nearest star to us is the sun. It's massive, isn't it? Yeah, it's massive. And yet it says that God's fingertips are the things that put the stars into place. And yet so often we think of God as just Batman coming to the rescue. We think of God as just slightly more important humanly than we are. The stars we see are simply fingertip stuff. You know, we've not had a wow this morning, but I think the stars in the, the, stars in the sky are a wow, aren't they? Why? Because what is man that he's mindful of us? Why should God even care about you and me? When actually the universe is so big. And if the universe is so big, God has got to be bigger. And yet so often we just limit him. We limit his power, we limit his strength, and we limit his love. There was a famous British philosopher called Evelyn Underhill. And she said this, If God was small enough to be understood, he would not be big enough to be worshipped. You know, if you're here this morning expecting to understand the God of the universe, then there's no point in worshipping him. Because he's just as good as you or me. If we can understand him completely, then he's just, as, he's only as big as us. But actually we worship him because we, we can't put anyone higher. We worship him because there is no one bigger. There is no one greater. There is no one more able. And yet we either limit him or we completely deny him. You know, if we want to worship God, we need to know how big he really is. So God is big enough to overcome the obstacles. We see in this passage, he overcomes the guards. He overcomes the chains. He overcomes the doors. And then we see this, that God is big enough not to explain every part of life. We read this story about Peter, and often we miss the beginning of the story. Look at the beginning of the passage. Look at Acts chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. It starts by explaining that James, the brother of John, has been imprisoned in the same way. Yeah? It starts by saying James has been imprisoned. What happens to James? He's executed. Herod sees that that pleases people and then he arrests Peter. James has been arrested, put in prison, exactly the same circumstance, but he doesn't have a miraculous escape because it was his time to be with God. Is that God's fault? Is it God's fault that James stays in his prison while Peter walks out? Is that God's fault? Is God able? Yes, he is. Is God capable? Yes. Is God big enough? Yes. Is it the church's fault that James is still in the prison and then executed? Is it James's fault? No. It's just we can't possibly understand everything that goes on. We live in a world that is broken with evil people. Herod was an evil man. He was using people for his whims. James is in prison and he's executed. Yet Peter walks free. Seems unfair, doesn't it? But James 
It was his time to be with his father God. Why were they both in prison in the first place? Because of their faith. They were in prison in the first place because of what they believed. And yet so often we blame God for so many things. And yet here, these men have been arrested because they love God. And yet so often we look at our circumstance and we go, God, where are you? These men were there because God is what they loved. God is who they followed. Peter still had more to do here before going to be with God. You know, life is not always fair. It's a fact, isn't it? Life is not always fair, but God ultimately is. God ultimately is. The Bible talks about justice. It says God is a just God. That he is fair. Revenge is mine, saith the Lord. We don't need to worry about that. But God is fair. He is just. He is big enough to trust. When you're struggling, God is big enough to trust. Do you think James in that prison didn't trust God anymore? Of course he trusted God. Peter in that prison trusted God too, and he saw a miracle. God is big enough to trust. God is big enough to take our worries and our doubts. He's big enough to deal with us shouting out to him. The Psalms are full of David crying out to God, saying, God, where are you? God, what are you doing? The Bible is full of people who cry out to God, who cry out in angst and and, and anger. God is big enough to deal with that. He's big enough to hear and he's big enough to know what the future holds and for us to trust him with it. Interesting as we read the story, it says the church was earnestly praying. Yeah? The church was earnestly praying. Peter is in prison, earnestly praying. What does earnestly mean? Anyone know what earnestly means? Determination, energy, dedication, all good words. Belief, commitment, yeah? All those things. The church, if you look in the dictionary, it's sincere and intense conviction. All those words are right. The church were praying with sincere and intense conviction. Yeah? Does that echo our prayer life? I don't know. When I read this passage, sometimes we think, you know, I'll send up a quick prayer and see how we go. Do you think the church prayed for James? Yeah, saw a very different result though, didn't they? Why? We don't know. But we don't have to know. We don't have to understand everything because God is bigger. God is bigger and greater than our smallness here. What we see as a picture here is only a tiny glimpse of what God sees as the bigger picture. God is bigger. I'm sure the church prays. So why pray then? Why pray? If on the one hand the church is praying for James and nothing happens, but on the other hand they pray for Peter, why pray? Because prayer changes us. Prayer brings us into relationship with God. It brings us closer to him and it actually changes our minds more than it changes his. God is big enough to answer and act. God is big enough to hear all our cries and he does listen. I often hear, have you heard those people where they say, I was driving along the road and I needed to get to an appointment and I prayed for a parking space and there there was on the road. Anyone heard that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you think God's really that interested in your parking space? Maybe, okay. Or maybe you could have just left earlier and parked somewhere anyway, okay. Or the other one is when you hear people say, oh, God must have been looking after us because we were late setting off and there was an accident and he must have been protecting us. What about the poor people in the accident? Doesn't make any sense, but that's our mindset, isn't it? 
Because our mindset is small. God's mindset is bigger. He sees the bigger picture. You know, we're thankful when we miss an accident. We're thankful when we get a parking space. But a lot of the time we don't see answers to prayer. Why? Because we don't earnestly commit. Because we don't sincerely dedicate. Because we don't fervently go, this is important. I'm going to bend my knees and I'm going to get before God. Or maybe we go through the motions. In Ephesians it says that God is able to do immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine. Yeah? Do we believe that? Well, we need to start living like we believe it. Because he's able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. What are you asking for this morning? God can do more. Immeasurably more. What are you imagining that life will look like in 2019? God can do more. God can do greater. Yet we try and keep him on a small scale. We try and keep our expectations low because we're scared of being disappointed when nothing happens. We're scared of being disappointed when we step out. We're scared of looking silly. We're scared of of God perhaps being deaf to our cries. He isn't. He hears our cries. He wants us to be in relationship with him. And he wants us to say, your will be done. And he wants us to come and keep coming before him. Were the church disappointed when James was executed? Yeah. But did it stop them praying? No. No. And when they pressed into it, they saw greater things. You know, those of us that went away in the summer to Natural Supernatural heard the Vineyard Church from Ireland. Who Have you heard of Healing on the Streets? They were the church where that started. And uh, for 18 months, they went out every weekend praying for people and believing that God was going to heal. And for 18 months, if anything, people got sicker. <laughs> and actually, they didn't see anything. If they'd have given up then, great, they've tried. But after 18 months, all of a sudden, they started seeing incredible things happening on the streets in their town. Why? Because they earnestly prayed. They earnestly seeked, and they didn't give up. Did it happen instantly, like we all want it to? No. I believe God saw their dedication, their determination, and God honoured them for that. It was 18 months before they see a breakthrough. And, you know, many of us stop after one little hastily offered prayer. Many of us stop. Many of us look to ourselves and our own strength. Earnestly commit to praying. Why? Because God is big enough to break chains. God is big enough to open doors. And God is big enough to overcome armies and soldiers that are posted against us. I love the bit in the story where Rhoda runs to the door. Peter, they've been praying for Peter. Okay, He's in prison. They know what's happened to James. And as a church, they've been praying and praying and praying, saying, God, come on, set him free. Do something. Move in this situation. And then all of a sudden, there's a knock at the door. Rhoda runs to the door. Who is it? It's me, Peter. She's so excited, she doesn't even bother opening it. She runs back to everyone and goes, hey everybody, Peter's out of prison. And then what do the church do? The church that are sat there earnestly praying for Peter, what do they say to her? You're out of your mind. You're crazy. Can you see the ridiculousness of this story in some ways? Some people say, oh, it doesn't happen because you've not got the faith. That's a load of rubbish. The church prayed because it was their only possible answer because God is big enough. 
the church prayed, probably some of them thinking, well, it's the only thing we can do. Did they really believe it was going to happen? Clearly not. Because there's a knock at the door and it's Peter and they say, you're out of your mind. Don't be daft. Don't be daft, Rhoda. And yet this is what they're praying for. So often we're surprised when God answers prayer. How much faith did they have after the event though? How much faith did they have after this happened? Yeah? Loads. Because they saw that God was bigger. That God was able. And that God was more capable than they could either ask or imagine. Why? They didn't give up asking and seeking. Why? Because they refused to stop worshipping the God who was big enough. Have you got a situation in life at the moment that's causing you to stop? That's causing you to perhaps not be as dedicated? Have you got a situation in life at the moment that you've perhaps offered a couple of prayers up to, but that's enough? And God's not done anything in a week, so I won't bother. Earnestly commit to praying because God is big enough. I could ask you this morning to look back over the last 12 months and say, what prayers has God answered for you? We could look at what prayers God has answered for church, and there are loads. There are loads. And yet so often, we don't recognize his future. You know, I believe this passage tells us not to live in God's past glories. Because it's interesting at the end, Peter comes into the room and he says, right, everybody, settle down, (laughs) quieten down. Let me tell you what's happened and tell everybody else. And then it says, Peter left for another place. He didn't hang around for a party to go, woo, I'm free, celebrate, good times, come on, yeah. It's time for celebration. Peter left for another place. He didn't hang around and launch a tour of how I escaped my prison cell. You know, he didn't write a book saying, this is how I escaped from from the soldiers. He left for another place. He didn't live in the past glories of God. He wanted to press into more for the future. You know, as a church, we're excited. This year, we should eventually move our Sunday mornings to the pavilion. We've been saying this for a while. But we don't want to live in that past glory of how God got us there. We want to press into more, yeah? Because God is bigger. We've seen God's grace and goodness in, in the project and in the journey. But we've also seen God's grace and goodness in the people, which is even more important. We want to press into more, don't we? Yeah? He told them what had happened and moved on to more. You know, one of the biggest obstacles to growing faith in a big God is when we get stuck in the past and we don't move into his future. You know, God has done amazing things, but his promises are far greater, more than we can ask or imagine. Yeah? Do we believe this? Do we believe that God is big enough to move us? That God is big enough to change us? That God is big enough to deal with our weaknesses? Even though there will be some setbacks along the way, just ask James. His was a pretty big setback. But God is big enough to deal with our problems. You know, Peter kept knocking at the door. The church kept praying. Rhoda kept telling the news. She was discouraged. You're crazy. But she kept telling them Peter was at the door. She kept telling them the good news. That is our responsibility to keep pressing in to what God has. Because he is big enough. How big is the God you worship this morning? Is he as big as this church building? Is he just as big as the past? Bigger than the universe. Bigger than the universe. The universe is pretty big. In fact, it's mind-blowingly big, isn't it? Yeah? God is bigger. And yet so often we don't allow him 
to blow our minds. We don't allow him to move us. You know, God isn't just for Sundays. He's not just for the festivals in a field. He's bigger than that. He's every day. As I finish, I want us to think of our faith a bit like a koi carp. Russell can correct me if I'm wrong. Koi carp are a beautiful fish, yeah? You can buy one for as little as five quid, I think, seven quid. But you can also buy one for several thousand, yeah? And actually, the interesting thing about koi carp is, if they're not in a big pond, then they never reach their full potential. It depends on the size of the pond they're in as to how big they get. I I don't know if I'm right in this. Is a goldfish effectively a koi carp? It isn't it, yeah? Sort of, yeah? Ish. If you kept it in a little bowl, it would stay as small as its surroundings. If you move it into a bigger pond, it will grow. And that is our faith. If we limit God to being the small God that we don't really ask or imagine about, then our faith will remain small. Our God will remain small because that's who we see him as. He isn't small, he's massive. And yet if we allow ourselves to believe in a God that is bigger than the universe, then our faith will grow and we will reach our full potential because our God is big. If we persist on keeping God small, then our faith will remain small. But if we recognize how great God is, how big he is, how unfathomable he is, then we ourselves will grow and reach our full potential. So let me ask you, as I finish, is your God too small? No. Do we need to start believing he's bigger than he is? Yeah. Do you not persist because of past disappointment? Do you give up because actually you're not seeing an answer? Do we earnestly pray for a deeper relationship with him? Because our God is so big, so strong, and so mighty, there's nothing that he cannot do. Amen. Let's pray. I'm going to ask the prayer team just to be at the front. I know it's hard because of time and things like that. But if if the prayer team are at the front, if this morning there's a situation you want someone to stand alongside you in prayer, you can come as ones, twos, as a family. If there's a situation you really want to say, God, we want to earnestly seek you, then I want to invite you to come and pray with somebody off our prayer team this morning to say, God... We've not recognized you as big as you are. God, we've made you too small. And as a result, the people around us see you as too small. And wouldn't it be amazing if in the coming weeks and months we see more answers to prayer, people jumping up to share how God has been bigger than they expected. So if the prayer team are at the front here, if you want to stand with them and just say, please pray with us for this. Pray with us for breakthrough. This is the start of you saying we want to earnestly commit. We're going to do it and not give up. We're going to be like that early church that met and that waited and prayed and prayed and prayed some more. Because we want to see chains broken. We want to see lives changed. We want to see cell doors open wide and people walk out of the prison cell. And if we believe that God is big enough, we will keep bringing it before him. And he will not only change us, He will change our circumstances because he is good and he is God.